Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners as well. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Wint. And this episode's challenge is VHS Action. I think uh, I speak for both of us when, I mean, this was a kind of a fun episode to to really dive into and just kind of go back to the the, the days of the, the video store. Oh, absolutely. Did you did you have a particular video store? Yes. Uh, so I grew up on on the west side and we had Carino's video, which was oh, yeah. on. Uh, it's still actually still one of probably one of the only ones open uh, brick and mortar stores that is open left in, in the west side of Cleveland on West 130th. Mm-hmm. I live like its initial store was on West 122nd. Uh, and I lived on 125th, so oftentimes I would walk uh, there, and sometimes with you know no money, but uh, would uh, just walk around and like look at all the things and put my name on like all the uh, the wait lists. You know, oh so, my god, like, oh was... my god, the wait list. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I I I mean, probably the equivalent now is like I always hear people putting their name for the library when the library is going to get the the blu-ray or the dvd but you know getting your name on those elusive lists for uh you know i don't i'm just throwing out like like tommy boy or uh (laughs) or or billy madison you know when i was yeah like a preteen you know those were the things that you know i was hoping that i can get my grubby little hands on <laughs> <laughs> it was like because the wait list at the place i would go to the the first place i was going to do is uh curtis mathis which i think was just something of a chain like they sold vcr okay, yeah TVs, yeah but they also, it, was a, it was a rental store five movies for five days for five dollars <laughs> um they had like a clipboard and i and i got to be that that person that that kid that would i would ride my bike up there and um you know like you said i couldn't rent anything that had any money on me but I would just browse and like memorize like everything that was in like the horror section, like, like yes. all the box art. And I got to the point where they would just be like, all right, Aaron, here's the clipboard. It's like, I would just write down what, <laughs> what it was I, I wanted. Cause that one too, they also had a, one of those big uh, video hound uh, movie guides there too. So yes. like, you look up and do your, you know, this is pre-internet obviously. So uh, that was like the physical form of IMDb. Um, oh, you liked back to the future. Well, I need to see all the other Michael J. Fox movies. Okay. What's yeah. he got <laughs> through this guy here? Which actually, I ended up watching Casualties of War very young, just because it was like, "Hey, it's got Marty McFly in it. I'm renting this one." <laughs> no, like, I remember it, like the Carinos, their their old location. They had mm-hmm. a really cool artist who did, you know, in the horror section mm-hmm. had all of the, you know, these paintings of you know the iconic horror characters, and they also had nice. uh, an adult section with the saloon doors. I was just going to ask you the true <laughs> test of the video store. <laughs> Well, it was I think, a pop store. It had porn. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the where Carino's video is now. I mean, that it might. I don't know if it's exclusively an adult film place now, but they they used to have posters everywhere. But now it's just everything like adult videos, ninety nine cents for <laughs> for three days. So it's like I don't know if they just fully made that transition uh, or not. But <laughs> uh, but you know. Maybe one of these days I'll have to walk in there and just, you know, reminisce for a little time's sake. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, they, they didn't fully transition. I haven't been in recently, but I was by it recently, like in the last yeah. couple months. And um, no, there was still like, you know, 
I can't think of a single new release <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, like Halloween Kills or whatever, you know, it was like, you right. know, hey, you know, this is in. So um, I can't speak to the ratio of porn to not porn, <laughs> but uh, yeah, still, still uh, fighting the good fight. Yeah. Th- you know, there was another one on the east side that um, I was fortunate to, uh, that like a friend wrote a script about having a, a short at a video store and mm-hmm. it had to be on the east side. And we, we filmed at this place called Cap'n Video which is off of Mayfield road, but it, uh, it did, well, I think like no more than six months after we filmed the show, oh. it, uh, it ultimately, uh, Aww. went to, uh, the way of the, the dodo, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're both ex like movie theater employees. Oh yeah. Uh, did you ever have a stint at a video store? Um, I, re- as a high schooler, um, because I, um, you know, when my parents got divorced, I, I was living in Berea. I put an application in multiple times at Hollywood video that, that was like the, the big place to rent in Berea. Yeah. And it was always turned down. I, I oh. don't know. <laughs> I don't know why, why, but, uh, I had to settle for giant Eagle, uh, oh. <laughs> or, you know, grocery store, but <laughs> right, right, right. I spent a little bit of time at, I got into a local video store here, video express, RIP. Uh, local three or four, you know, locations around Parma, Brent, like the, the yeah. outer suburb kind of area. Um, but I got in there with like three months left of high school. And so like the summer before college, when I when, you know, went off to study film history, yeah. um, it's like, oh, my God, finally met the video store. And I was waiting for like, you know, that that Tarantino video archives. Kind of like, I'm not working <laughs> much film geeks here. It was just I mean, they're perfectly fine. Great people to work with. But it was just, you know, um kind of housewives that work in part-time that lived in the neighborhood <laughs> but it was awesome because then it just quickly became like okay i got to know all of the all the uh the movies here I got to know all the recommendations for all the people but then i just worked there over summers when i would come back from college and uh you know it was it was fine but i was like uh i thought this was going to be like my unofficial film school uh yeah with folks but uh, not, not too much i still think i mean if if they if maybe they make one of those like comebacks or something where, you know, people start appreciating them and I'm at the age where I can retire. I would love to like, just do that kind of retiree type job where I'm at the video store. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By the time we get to that age, we'll just have to start one. Yeah. Like we have enough enough film geek friends. We can be like, all right, we filled out a staff. Everybody just picks a day a week. (laughs) But you're right, though, like the upswing, um, like actually somebody that I work at the library with was mentioning how um, physical media, it's not like it's going to come back and be king like, you know, video stores used to be or DVDs used to be or VHS used to be or whatever format, uh, pick your format. But in 20, wait, I think I have this right. In 2020 or 2021, I think it was in the year of 2020, vinyl outsold or was like the most selling uh, music format was vinyl. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I can get vinyl at a lot of places now. And that, I mean, it was like when I was in high school and college, I was going to thrift stores to find whatever like old classic rock vinyl I could find. Yeah. Uh, but like I can get like brand new albums of current bands that I love. Like it's on vinyl. It's ready to go. So maybe we can find this happy medium of like, quote, dead media. So it's not just a full video store, but it's also yeah. like a record shop. And it's also the, I don't know. It, well, it was crazy uh, to me, like during the holiday season, I think. My mom wanted the the new ABBA uh, album, mm-hmm. and uh, she wanted it on CD. And 
I don't know. I, I was just, I wasn't really thinking, I guess, but I just walked, you know, to the, the local Best Buy and I was like, do you guys have the new ABBA CD? They're like, yeah, we've stopped selling CDs. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, actually, uh, I've been in a Best Buy in ages, but no, if you, if, yeah, if I, if somebody was like, hey, I need to see him, like, that's where I, I bought so many CDs yeah. there. It's like Perry's Rock Pile and the local ones all shut down. And it was like, yeah, no, it, was, it was like, half the store at one point right right i mean yeah it's like all the physical wow. media there i mean i think the 4k blu-ray maybe has like two rows Ooh. and like just regular blu-ray has like one or two and then that's about it and it's, <laughs> oh. it just kind of freaks me out a little bit <laughs> a little bit yeah so with vhs action specifically do you um i know you're collector too do you still have some vhs that you've held on to all these years Oh yeah, um, I I have quite a few. I you know I don't have as much as um, certain other collectors, at least locally. Um, you know, I I know we we have a mutual friend, Matt Diltz Williams, uh, who even started his own uh, VHS distribution label, which I think is still. I mean, I think is amazing. Yeah, um, and uh, you know that that was actually some of the ones I I was gonna maybe showcase one of those for my pick mm-hmm. but uh i ended up going with you know with something that was uh that's been on my shelf for for years but i just have never put it in the player and oh gotcha okay I, and and so that's why i was glad to uh you know finally do that into it. but but <laughs> what about you i mean were there were there certain are there certain ones that that you've kind of just remember from that era like that kind of stuck out Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I did want to kind of keep it because, well, the first one that popped up in my head was Navy Seals yeah, yeah. because I remember renting the shit out of that movie with uh, my <laughs> sister and I, for some reason, just watched that. Like we would quote it. Uh, it was it was weird. Um, I don't know why we grabbed onto that one, but that also but that that had a life in the theater. Yeah. Like it was VHS to us because like we didn't get to go see that in the theater. So I was like, OK, I wanted to divide the line here between like there was a specific market of like we made, we mentioned on the uh, the end of the last episode, you know, like the, the Chuck Norris is kind of like yes. one of the kings of the straight to v- VHS, which was a, its own legitimate market. Um, as long as you make a, a movie for a huge amount of money, like you could make that back by being just sitting there with a like cool box art you know, <laughs> yeah. at video stores across the country. If you can get distribution like that was legitimately like that's how it would get out there. So I wanted to stick to like. You know, yeah, like the the Chuck Norris, like uh, there was one uh, Firestarter with he and Louis Gossett yes, Jr. Yes, um, you know, it was like Indiana Jones knockoff. So like you, you whatever was big in the theater, like the '80s and in the '90s, you'd have like the right to straight to video. You could rent it now because that other thing was in the theaters, and you could rent yeah. the knockoff version off VHS and just make um, the cover as close as possible without getting yeah. any uh, copy infringements. Right, right, yeah. Don't get any lawyers involved, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe lawyers help you make it so that you, you know, don't get any more right. lawyers involved. But um, there was a few names that popped up that I, I, I dove into a little bit. Like Cynthia Rothrock did like the Martial Law series and China O'Brien. I think there's a couple of those. Or like Don the Dragon Wilson. Like he was all over like straight to video action. Yeah. And stuff. Um, I, I didn't go to either one of those. But those are the first ones that popped into my head. Um, but also I wanted to watch something that I hadn't seen before for this one too. Yeah. I um... – you know, having uh, I, I I've always am so fortunate that we had HBO in my house growing up because certain names like Jeff Fahey uh, kind oh, of yeah. popped in my head. Like he was in a lot of those. Yeah. Or Richard Grieco. Um, oh my gosh! You know, <laughs> oh, it looks good. Kill that was another one. We watched that a lot. Yeah. You know, it, there, there's also like a couple 
actresses who always seem to uh, pop up in a, you know, like Sherilyn Fenn or something like after Twin Peaks seemed to yep. like be in a lot of those B movies and uh, a lot of erotic thrillers, if I remember. Correctly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was that was sort of how I, I, I whittled it down. And we'd mentioned on the other episode too, like the um, Action USA. Oh, yes. Um, or so good. What was uh, Miami Connection? Yes. Samurai Cop. Some of those like getting more into the so bad they're good. Yes. Kind of, kind of territory, which I have a couple of those for like my honorable mentions. But uh, I, I went, the one I picked, actually, I, I, I picked because I went through a bunch and had a blast with them. But like, I legitimately think it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, the one I actually picked. So did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to throw out before we? Well, you know, like like I said, um, the. Uh, uh, Future Video, which is uh, you know a local distribution company here in Cleveland, uh, Matt Dutz Williams, he he just put out this release called Revenge of the First Wives, which is uh, a really quite hilarious uh, you know action movie. Uh, I mean, it was shot on video, uh, like probably mini DV, and uh, you know it really really entertaining. He also just recently uh, gifted me one for Christmas, which was like uh, a zombie army movie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. There's a, you know, there's one that I know it played in the theaters, but, uh, you know, kind of the, along the lines. But like there was this Alicia Silverstone movie, The Crush. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, with, with Carrie Elway's like to me, even though that did play in theaters, it's like. I recently watched it. Uh, I've been going through these old VHS tapes, and apparently, like I, I taped it off of Fox when it when it premiered <laughs> on there. Oh, and the TV edited version too. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it just like it's just one of those movies that fits those. I know it's not action, but it just it right, just right. kind of fits that kind of trashy, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, B B movie yeah vibe. So. You know, ultimately, the one that I ended up going with this week was, you know, when uh, working in, you know, as, as you and I have both done, uh, we've worked with the Cleveland International Film Festival. And mm -hmm. for many years, uh, it was held at Tower City. So sometimes when you're when you're working there for, you know, 14 days straight, you know, you start kind of venturing into the the mall and there's this dollar store there that used to have a rack of DVDs. Uh, and oh, yeah, they did. Just always had weird covers. And so I was there one of the days, one of the, one of the fellow workers whose name, uh, Ben, who, who worked at uh, Capitol theater for a while there told me like, we passed by this one DVD and he was like, he's like, you need to buy this. You will love this. And I'm sad to say that until, you know, just, you know, preparing for this episode, it was still factory sealed on my shelf. <laughs> but now I'm going to show you, and I know this is not video, but I'm going to show you in the video, but it's called Laser Mission with Brandon Lee. Michael Gold, are you here for pleasure or business, Mr. Gold? A little bit of both, I'd say. What kind of business do you do? People management and conduct behavior modification. I don't work for America. I work for money. You didn't tell me who he was or why he was 
so important. Braun is perhaps the world's leading expert in laser weaponry. And his presence in the Gavango means that the Soviet bloc is planning some sort of laser mission. Your research can't fall into the wrong hands. I want to build, not destroy. I'm going to find your father. That's if they don't kill you first. Uh, who do you work for? Eckhart. Peter Eckhart. Very dangerous man. Think of this room and your daughter in it. So I definitely had a Brandon Lee phase. Yeah. Uh, I did not catch that one. <laughs> so this one, I'm just going to read what's on the back of sure. the, uh, and I'm sure maybe was on the back of the VHS tape, but uh, when the world's largest diamond is stolen to be used in a top secret laser weapon, Michael Gold, uh, a mercenary, is sent on a mission to get it back. He must also bring Dr. Braun, played by Ernest Borgnine, oh my back God. to the United States, dead or alive, before enemy forces get a hold of him. The future of the world is dependent on one man. Um, so I wow. I really am now kicking myself that I never watched this because this was one of the most entertaining, <laughs> horribly bad yeah. action movies that I've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it has, a, it checks off a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the touchstones of the movies of this era. There is mm-hmm. a, a theme song called Mercenary that was uh, penned by Mark Knopfler of uh, Dire Straits. Okay, I was like, that name sounds sort of familiar. Um, but uh, he is not credited at the end of the film. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe <laughs> he saw it and he was like, take my name off. Get my name <laughs> off. <that. laughs> but the song plays like four or five times throughout the film. Um, it, wow. it includes... Uh, some of these scenes where when people are shot, there's these elongated like, <laughs> you know, where like their yeah. like, kind of arms are flapping. And um, <laughs> there is, uh, you know, kind of a buxom blonde who uh, who helps him uh, on his missions. And they they first don't like each other, but then they, you know, they end up, uh, you know, liking each other. The you know all the bad guys have like a nondescript European accent that sounds kind of Russian, kind of German. <laughs> um, a, a lot of the names in the end credits were German, so I'm, I'm guess that's what I'm going to go with. That they're yeah the uh, the country of origin it's saying here online is West Germany, so yeah. you know time period that was as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's this one one particular scene that that uh, made me laugh was. Uh, I mean, and I mean, some of the editing in this movie is so choppy, uh, especially in these action scenes. No. I'm sure some of the, <laughs> some of the, uh, you know, these elaborate things they were trying to do um, just didn't fix the or didn't match the budget. So sure. <laughs> there's one scene where you know he like falls on a roof, and then it's like a weird awkward cut, but then he falls onto a table where a couple is about to eat. Okay. And uh, he says something like, I just dropped in to say, bon appetit. I mean, it's just, uh, it's so, so bad. Um, <laughs> but the the one thing that I thought was interesting was that, you know, this was kind of, it, it was like put out there, but very limited in video. But 
according to Wikipedia, it was financially successful um, <laughs> because they released it after The Crow came out. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay. So I think I, I'm guessing like, you know, because I, I think maybe this was one of the first things that he tried. Um, you know, maybe it was a test it was to see like, you know, does he work on screen like his father? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what's I was going to ask is there how's the how's the martial arts like? Is it he, he knows how to do it? So there's not a ton of martial arts in this. There's oh. a lot of just there's a lot of gun fighting. There's a lot of like explosions without spoiling it. I mean, the the baddie. There, there's a lot of fake deaths involving this baddie. Like you think, you know, maybe Peter Jackson's uh, like Return of the King. There's like three, four mm-hmm. endings that you oh, right, right. are happening. Like <laughs> yeah. this guy, uh, there's like three or four times where you, you, you think in your head, like this guy is definitely dead. Nope. Uh, nope. He, keeps coming. <laughs> he keeps coming back. Honestly, if if midnight movies ever come back, you know, post pandemic. Yeah. I think this would be a really fun one to, to play. Now the video quality of this particular DVD was terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very kind of uh, grainy. Uh, you know, it, it was shot on 35, but it, this DVD did not look. Is it one of those, like maybe it was transferred from VHS? Just Yeah, I think so. I mean, it says it was made in India. It's like a region free. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I had a blast with this, and uh, I, I'm hoping I can find more like this. And I, I guess by also looking up, this is available to watch on Tubi. If you yes, were. I just uh, was seeing that here. In the queue, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- wow. What did you end up picking? So. The first couple of things I thought of were uh, a couple I just want to do a quick shout outs for. The first one I thought of was uh, Cocaine Wars from (laughs) 1985, uh, starring John Schneider, a.k.a. one of the Duke brothers. I forget if it's Bo or Luke Duke from Dukes of Hazzard. And it's he's, uh, you know, he's a DEA. Well, part of the reason I was looking at that one was it's that era of Roger Corman in the 80s. Yeah. So like, you know, he's moved into like, okay, VHS is where I can go. Not necessarily the drive-in. Like there's not the B movie pictures yeah. on the anymore. We can make a, a killing at the, at the VH or at the video store with VHS. Um, so it's one of his um, produced, uh, not directed. It's one of his produced. It couldn't be more cocaine, like the whole movie through um, <laughs> at one point, like he's out in Central America someplace. Um, he's trying to like, you know, break up a drug cartel, blah, 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 whatever. There, there's one point though where a big bag of cocaine gets ripped open, and I, if I remember correctly, he suffocates someone into the bag of cocaine. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you can't get much more eighty-five than suffocating somebody in a bag of cocaine. <laughs> I think it's streaming, yeah, it's Tubi or, or Amazon or someplace. Um, it's, yeah. it's a ton of fun. It's terrible. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. The acting is maybe slightly better than like a Samurai Cop or Miami <laughs> yeah. Connection. But it's sincere. Like it's you know, he's trying to be an action star, and he can do some stunts because he did Dukes of Hazard for a while. And he's got yeah. for an '80s dude with a mustache, like he's got a certain amount of presence um, on screen. <laughs> and it checks a lot of boxes. There's obviously Uzis are being used. There's a rocket launcher. Someone's on fire. Um, actually, I think there's several people on fire. So I think somebody's a flamethrower at one point. There's a helicopter, you know, shootout or chase or whatever. Like all those '80s tropes that like just yeah. whatever you want to line up. They threw it all into that one. Um, the other one is actually another Wars one, which I didn't think of ahead of time. But uh, L.A. Wars from 94, uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, put out a year or so ago. It's even worse acting. Uh, but they got this guy, Vince something, who's like a 
famous, I guess, Canadian kickboxer. Well, it doesn't matter that he's Canadian, but he's a famous <laughs> kickboxer, happens to be from Canada. So he's, it's like, you know, Jim Cotta at this point, right? Yeah. Like, it's oh, yeah. kickboxing, <laughs> he cannot act. But they leaned into the, um, you know, the the Uzis and the machine guns and then the the fight. Like, it's really gory. There's a, there's a, everybody's just, just shot up in that one. Um, it's really, really funny. He's a disgraced cop who doesn't play by the rules. Um, that way he can go undercover with these crime bosses. And it's, um, it's all just like, it, so the one's 80s cocaine action and one's 90s, like straight to video action. It looks kind of like it was shot, definitely still shot on film, but like, it just has like the, big puff not quite parachute pants but you know those like the dress pants everybody wore in the 90s that were just oh, like, yeah. super puffy and like <laughs> get his shirt tucked in and he walks because his whole body's like a triangle shape because he's so top <laughs> heavy and all that but the one i actually went with actually kind of ties into brandon lee because brandon lee co-starred with dolph lundgren yes uh this is not my pick but they co-starred in showdown in little tokyo which is great Yes. Uh, great, great uh, action fun there. But I thought, oh, as soon as I, I heard the name Dolph Lundgren when I was poking around in the, you know, VHS action, uh, the VHS action depths of streaming pretty much on Tubi or Amazon or whatever, I was like, Dolph, okay, I need to find a good Dolph. Because I've only seen like two or three of his. He, he just wasn't one of my guys back then. Yeah. Uh, that I went with. 1996, he did a movie called Silent Trigger. Let's do it right this time. After all... This is the end of the line. What are you talking about? My final target. Ground zero to Eagle one and two. Target approaching kill zone. Eagle two copy. We have target acknowledgement. Eagle one copy. Guess what he plays in Silent Trigger. The trigger? <laughs> no, he just the trigger. <laughs> no, he's an assassin. An assassin. Yes. Yeah, he's an assassin. Um, so this is Dolph Lundgren. This is post eighties. This is after Red Scorpion. This is after like all of his eighties, um, all of his eighties hits. This is nineteen ninety six. Uh, co-stars with Gina Bellum, who I knew as um, the the ditzy character on Coupling, kind of the British version of Friends. Oh, okay. Uh, way back when, these two have amazing chemistry together like she just whisper like with her, with her actually she's new zealand but like she has like a slight uh you know she has her accent but she everything's really breathy everything she says it's like is everything like so he's a sniper and she's the um what's the the spotter so they're a team yeah. um so he's ready with this giant ass you know 50 cal gun whatever it is and she's the one who like uses the um the separate scope and tells them like what the wind is and what the trajectory all is but like every bit of dialogue she's giving him is I was like, oh, they're a couple. But it turns out they're not like you're seeing this opening scene is uh, he's going to take out this. Uh, he's gonna, It's a political assassination. They give you no details like his name is Sniper. Her name is Spotter. Uh, the other two characters, one is called a guard because it's a guard at this tower that um, that they're in. And then I think one of the other characters has a name like O'Halloran or something. I forget. It doesn't matter. It, it starts off with an action scene. He's shirtless. Fucking frame one. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren waking up shirtless he to go to work as a sniper I'm like I'm in this is perfect and then what happens is he can't pull the trigger so like I don't know if that's oh he gets nervous well he's just getting... like he's not he can't take out this uh, it's like a female politician he can't do it she's like holds up a baby at some point the crowd loves her but now he becomes the enemy because he could not do his mission <laughs> so he's on the run with her and then really what's going on is um, 
he he's called in for one final mission. So you have the opening action set piece scene. It's great. The the company, the shady organization, which is never named, um, turns on them. And so they kill all the people that are trying to kill them, and then they escape. And the the, the whole thrust of the film is he's at this uh, this still under construction hotel called the Algonquin, and so he's at the top floor. Cuts out a piece of glass, and he's gonna, you know, his next mission is he has to shoot someone. But the way the organization works is they send a, a, a sniper and a spotter, and you know, you don't know who you're gonna be working with, but that, that person shows up, and that's who you're working with. Of course, it's Gina. She's back, the spotter. Ah. <laughs> and so all, what you get are these flashbacks to like how that first hit went wrong and what happened. And in my head, the whole time, like I said, she's so breathy, and they're clearly flirting the whole time, and they have great chemistry. Like Dolph Lundgren, I would not have said like has great chemistry like he's he's got charisma and he can do a certain thing presence wise but it was like damn these two like it it is it is legit hot Off and the then chart. it turns out like they don't even have a past they're just like that attracted to each other and then you know, of course you know two-thirds way through the movie they they hook up finally it happens you're like oh okay now they're a couple good i've been rooting for you to get together because i thought you were this whole time the- i gotta say i'm really loving the i i've you know, as I'm Googling this, I love the poster image of him oh, yeah. with this, like, insane-looking gun. Giant gun. I mean, it's an assassin's gun. Like, you lay down on the ground, and you shoot it. It's got the, the tripod. But he's Dolph Lundgren, so at certain points, he just picks it up, and he uses it like you and I would use, like, a shotgun. He's just like, and he's, oh, my God, the recoil on this thing would just knock me, like, you know, 10 feet back. So the, the, the weird part of this one is when he's at the Algonquin for the next hit, he also can't pull the trigger. <laughs> and it's not done as like comedy, but like the commentary here was like, he's an ex special forces soldier. And I was like, I don't think you're a hitman. I think you've got some PTSD. I think you've got some, some things you need to work out, man. Like, you know, talk this through you and Gina could just, you know, you and your spotter can just retire off to some Island and just let's process some of, you know, the, the, the horrors you've seen. Um, but since he can't pull the trigger, then they're always the target then. <laughs> Yeah, I have to ask, does yeah. he have any cuz I'm a, you know, I, I will admit I'm I'm a huge Rocky 4 fan. I you know, I watch it all the time. But mm-hmm. I I do have to ask, is there any moments where he has any lengthy um, you know, monologues or anything because otherwise I'm going to like probably start immediately watching it after <laughs> he recorded. <laughs> Here's the thing with this one. Um, Russell uh, Mulcahy, I think I'm saying his name right, the guy who did the Highlander 1, Highlander okay. 1 and, 2, and he did Razorback, um, Australian director, I believe. The writer is Sergio Altieri, who I'm unfamiliar with. He wrote this movie in a movie called Blind Fear. There's really not dialogue in this movie. The visuals <laughs> in this, like, this is why I'm saying it's actually, like I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Like, it's a good-ass action movie. But it, it leans into visuals and atmosphere um, like it's it's raining all the time. Yeah. And it's also it's pretty much all set in this one location, like I said, except for the flashbacks to how they met in their first action or their first mission. And it's just one night. And this Asian. there's two security guards. One security guard is like this coked up guy who at one point I think sees spiders crawling everywhere. He's keeps going up to the top floor because they know they're there because he really wants to rape the spotter. Like, <laughs> it's gross. Pretty lady. Come on, open up. Door. I just want to talk. I'd like that. But I really can't right now. I have this delicate equipment at work. <laughs> How about working on my delicate equipment? 
What do you want? I just want to apologize for before. You know, I didn't mean anything by it. Apologies accepted. Now get lost. You're just making it fucking difficult on yourself being such a bitch again. That's okay. But he doesn't bother me. Because I really love to treat you like one. <laughs> Your fucking 357 ain't gonna stop me. It's, but she's also she's a she's a trained professional. So at one point she she draws her gun and like puts it right in his crotch, and she's like, "Well, it's not a big target, but I you know it's close range, so I can't miss or something." Like she's holding her own. She's good, but he's so rapey. It's uh, it's pretty gross, but it's also just like that's a whole chunk of the of the side plot. But it's all just visuals, and it. I know Russell's uh, Mulcahy's got a background in um, well feature films also, but he's done a. T- if you look up his, his IMDb, he's done a ton of um, '80s music videos. Oh, okay. It really has a, a music video visual aesthetic, or like a perfume commercial at some points. It's like, <laughs> God damn, why does this look amazing? This is a half built building with just like flowing tarps and shit. And you're like, it's like it edges near some like John Woo territory. Wow. Um, I don't like the action isn't as compelling to some of the John Woo stuff, but visual, sure. like, he's not leaning into a story here. He's leaning into the visuals. And I was like, Holy shit. The, the goodbye scene for this movie is he shoots his gun at her, not at near her pops the top off a fire hydrant so that she's now soaking wet again. <laughs> but she knows that he's alive because he used his sniper rifle one last time to uh, soak her. Is that like the point like, break? Or point oh, break oh yeah, moment? totally, totally, yeah. yeah. Oh, and she's like, okay, <laughs> my guy's still there. And I was like, he just shot at you. Oh, but it doesn't matter. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, of course, this is how you two communicate. Man, I no, I'm seriously, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I think we've sold each other because I, I got Laser Mission queued up right now on, uh, on TV. So <laughs> what a find. Yes. What a find. <sighs> well, uh, so... What have we got? Uh, what are we going to be doing next? I, I, I mean, I gotta say, I know we're only three episodes in, but like, this is really like triggering <laughs> some like just some deep dive stuff that yeah, that yeah, yeah, really in my uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> well, this is your uh, this is your turn to pick. So, what, oh, right. uh, what, what do we got up next? That's my bet. Uh, yes, we're gonna go with Ozploitation. So things from the land down under. Which uh, actually, if I remember correctly, Russell Mulcahy. I believe born in Australia because I think Razorback is one of his early ones. Uh, ah, yes. I'm going to go with a different director. I've, I've been wanting to watch that one, but uh, yeah, no, Osploitation is um, is interesting. Have you watched anything you would consider Osploitation? Well, or- I will say this is maybe somewhat of a cheat, but um, a f- several years ago at the Cleveland Cinematheque, they played a doc called That's Osploitation. So it oh, was yes. like an overview of exploitation, but there was, I think, I mean, there are way more streaming options now, and I'm sure ways to, to see some of these things that then were available maybe at the time when, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't even, maybe it was like almost 10 years ago or something, but I remember there's one, I think, is it one of the same one, not quite Hollywood? Yes, that's it. That's okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, like, I had a long list after watching yes. that. <laughs> what to go find. No, it, it, it like, uh, you know, it, it, for any listeners at home, uh, it might be a good, 
you know, thing to watch before this episode just because oh I yeah, mean, it sure. has so much like action, boobs, uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I mean, it's <laughs> like it's it's like a hardcore R-rated uh documentary and uh you know, of the the, the most like fun type, I would say. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I know that when I went out and watched immediately after that, there was one called Dead End Drive-In. Oh, that sounds That cool. <laughs> was screaming somewhere because I was like, oh, Drive-In, I'm, I'm hooked. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was like a post-apocalypse. I'm, I'm going to get this probably wrong. I'm not, I, I don't have it in front of me. But it was like, yeah. yeah, it was like, you know, this is the Mad Max era, exploitation. Like, yes. you, know, you know, George Miller's down there doing his thing. And this, I remember that one being like, vaguely like post-apocalyptic but it was all set at this drive-in where like a mini little society popped up or no everybody's banished there it's like we're all the, the all the juvenile delinquents that's where they stick all the juvenile delinquents yeah. that's what it was like uh like a fema camp kind of thing for, for yeah for juvenile delinquents but uh, oh this would be fun you know, i have i have actually quite a few on my list um i'll have to go find from from not quite hollywood and see uh, absolutely all right well uh we'll go pick out some films and uh check back shortly and uh, talk soon mike talk to you later <laughs> <laughs>